go back to the source of what is causing you to decide upon those irrational behaviors. Because irrational fear can really keep people trapped in an endless cycle of anxiety. Hello, beautiful one. Welcome back to another soulful and amazing episode on the Good Life Podcast, the platform to help you open your mind and live a life of meaning and purpose. You know, if this is your first time to this channel, a super warm welcome to you. And if you have been tuning in for a while now, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for being here with us on the Good Life Podcast, journeying with us on this beautiful journey. You know, it's always so amazing seeing you send in your you know, reflections, your insights, and seeing a lot of you, you know, re-listen to the earlier episodes as well. And, you know, I'm a true believer that we learn and grow as we allow ourselves to do that process of reflection, of introspection, and to really ponder upon the things that we have learned. You know, it is also so, so wonderful seeing this platform grow so much with listeners all over the world with one thing in common, which is the desire to connect, to learn to heal, and to find more meaning and purpose in life. So without further ado, let's get started on today's topic. And I'm going to be deep diving on the topic of anxiety, specifically the five things you need to know about it to help you understand yourself better, especially if you or your loved one is going through it. So the more informed you are about what anxiety is all about, what to look out for, the more it creates you know, the awareness needed for you to help yourself and to help your loved ones better. So point number one, anxiety is something that shuts down the rational part of your brain, making it hard to learn, to think, and to decide. So, you know, do you experience those moments where your mind blanks out? right? Where you lose focus, concentration over things, and you find yourself not being able to make good decisions for yourself, right? And the reason that happens is because when your mind gets anxious, it fires up the part of your brain called the amygdala that goes into this fight, flight, freeze, and fawn mode, which is essentially your survival mode, right? And when you are in survival mode, when your body thinks you are in a situation of imminent actual threat, You know, I want you to imagine that situation, right? Imagine if you see that your life is in real danger, what would you do, right? Would you still, you know, care about, you know, whether you're wearing a fresh pair of clothes today? Would you still care about smelling good? Would you still care about eating only freshly made organic food? You know, I don't think so, right? In that moment, all your mind would be thinking about is to get out of the scary situation alive and safe. So it's all about survival, right? You would tend to just focus on the essentials, focus on the priorities, and you would tend to omit things that are not seen as important or critical. So the amygdala in the brain is the hub of fear and anxiety. It is the place that triggers your fears and anxiety. So so long as what is going on in the present moment is the same as what went on in your past, 
the amygdala does nothing, right? It doesn't get triggered. But when it senses something non-routine, that is when it releases stress hormones, right? So stress hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol, they are released into your brain in order to, you know, fight off whatever has made you anxious in the first place, right? So, you know, having all these stress hormones in large amounts and being, you know, injected into your brain like over again and again and again, it really weakens the connections between the amygdala and the rational part of your brain, which is called the prefrontal cortex, right? PFC. So PFC, it is critical to help you process the information that you are getting from the real world, to help you, you know, process it consciously, to help you find rational solutions to the issue that you're facing right now. So stress hormones causes you to experience the increased heart rate, the increased breathing rate, perspiration, and the high urge to just want to escape, right? I want you to just like, you know, reflect upon all those moments where you felt that you were under so much stress and pressure, where all you could think about is wanting to withdraw, wanting to escape, and you just can't seem to control all the physiological, you know, symptoms that you're experiencing, right? Like the sweaty palms, the excessive sweating, your heart beat really fast, um, and, you know, you just not being able to breathe properly, Right, and all of those are symptoms of your inner body going red alert, red alert, danger, danger, danger. You know, whether that danger is actually real or not, that's a whole new different thing. But what the brain is receiving right now, it feels as though it is under threat, right? So, when your brain is you know flooded with all these stress hormones. You know, it, it weakens that connection, right? It weakens that connection between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. And when this happens, the less the prefrontal cortex is being fully activated to help you come up with, you know, a rational, logical response, which then leads you to, you know, all these irrational thoughts and behaviors that you see in yourself today. You know, which is why if you allow your body to stay very long in a fear and stress response state and you do not do anything about it to get it treated, to get it calmed down, that stress will eventually wear out parts of your brain causing long-term damage and it makes it really hard for your body to automatically regulate itself again. So the second thing to know about anxiety is this, there is rational and irrational anxiety. So, you know, whenever people think or hear the term anxiety, it is almost always linked to something negative, right? Something bad, something irrational. However, that is not entirely true. You know, anxiety, as do all other emotions out there, you know, it serves a purpose, right? It is important that, you know, we understand it constructively to understand ourselves better. So, there are two types of anxiety, rational an irrational anxiety. So rational anxiety is one where your fear is something that can really harm you, you know, um, either be you or someone that you care about, right? And it is based on a solid evidence-based reason behind it. It is something 
that is grounded based on reality. You know, for example, if you are afraid that your you know kids are playing outside because you live in you know a dangerous street where the crime rate is really high, then the fear is rational because they are likely to get hurt being out there in that kind of environment. You know, some other examples of rational fear include um, the fear of getting attacked by a bear while hiking through a national park that is known to have loads of bears out there, right? Or you have the fear of failing the only college you applied to. Or the fear that you have of losing your home because you have not been paying your bills and rent for a while. So that's rational anxiety, right? Irrational anxiety is simply put irrational. It doesn't have any real reason for the feelings of fear you feel. It is self-created. You know, anxiety, it isn't always rational or directly connected to what's currently going on. And a lot of times, the fears that we have developed, you know, it just seems to be so out of this world. Right, But it is often mistaken to be something that is seen so rational and so normal. Right, So some examples of irrational fear could be you worrying that a shark would come to eat you while you are swimming in the deep end of the swimming pool. Or worrying that you will get hit by a car the moment you go out today. Or you know, worrying that you will always fail in the things that you do in life. Or, you know, worrying that you have a heart attack while jogging and just die in a spot. Or even worrying that, you know, when you bought the plane, it will experience some technical issues and you will die as the plane goes down, right? And this list of irrational fears could go on. You know, if I could use an analogy to summarize rational and irrational fear. So rational fear is essentially like, you know, keeping lions in cages, and then advising people to stand outside the lion's cage and, you know, telling them, do not put your fingers, your arms through the, you know, the fence, the barbed wires, because telling them that, you know, lions, they might potentially attack you and eat you, right? Because lions love and eat meat. So this thought process requires respect for the lion's place and needs and having that understanding of how differently a lion's brain works from the human. The analogy for irrational fear is requiring and insisting that all the lions be shot and killed so that people don't have to be afraid of them breaking out of their cages anymore, even when there's only a very tiny few that, you know, have actually broken out of their cages. Right? So as you can see, you know, the way you allow yourself to create the fears on what premise, on what basis, it impacts the kind of actions and the precautions that you have in place in response to the fear response. Right? When it comes from a place of you really understanding your fear and assessing whether is it rational or irrational, the type of thought emotional and you know behavioral response that comes out of it is also then rational so there is an alignment between the input and the output it becomes really hard to expect you know something that is rational to come out of something that is completely irrational 
So, you know, if you have been finding yourself going into a lot of self-defeating, irrational patterns, right? Go back to the source of what is causing you to decide upon those irrational behaviors. Because irrational fear can really keep people trapped in an endless cycle of anxiety. And, you know, irrational anxiety, it does lead to behavioral consequences that a lot of times, you know, people tend to end up living with. You know, for instance, if the person has a real fear of dating and being rejected during a date, the person would probably never ask anyone out on dates. And, you know, years could pass during which being single then leads them to, you know, feel increasingly anxious, isolated, and depressed about their lives, right? Another example is if you have a real fear, you know, of death, or the fear of your loved one just dropping dead one day, right? Just suddenly, tragically, you then might become very obsessive in getting your loved one to go for constant medical testing, or you might be calling them, checking in you know, on them several, several times during the day to check in, um, asking them how they are, to the point that you know, it affects your own daily functioning of your own life, right? Or you might obsessively be checking you know, while they're sleeping, right? Checking if they're still breathing, right? So irrational thoughts, it leads to irrational feelings, emotions, which then leads to irrational behaviors, which are things that tend to drain a whole lot of your energy because your mind becomes so preoccupied on filling that fear response, right? Irrational thoughts are insidious and harmful because it makes you spiral down a scary wave of negative thoughts that really start to control your very life, right? The thing about fear is that it is, you know, a regular part of our lives, right? Don't, don't start forming an enemyship with fear because fear, it serves a purpose to protect you right? And it is important for us to recognize and understand when that fear response, it has gone to that stage of controlling our lives, one where we have, you know, completely no say whatsoever in terms of, you know, controlling it. So, you know, my invitation to you, dear one, is to become curious on how fear plays a role in your daily life right? In our day-to-day environment, we are presented with situations that inspire protective fear. So try out this reflective exercise in the next week. Take out your notebook, right? And track down your fears. Write it down. You know, what is the fear that you have? Where does the fear serve you? And where is it holding you back from your power? right? Be curious and observant in terms of which aspects in your life that you see fear very much life, fear very much controlling your life, and one way you experience the most amount of anxiety, right? Anxieties are often based on something that's happened to us before, even if that exact situation isn't currently happening, right? So don't try to make yourself feel, you know, shamed or ridiculous for feeling anxious over something, right? The last thing that we want to experience is the feeling of being judged by our own selves, 
right? Our anxiety is based off our brain trying to protect us. Always remember this. Anxiety serves a protective function, right? So try to explore, you know, finding more evidence in your life to remind you that you are safe, that you can handle whatever happens, right? Come from a place of compassion to understand your fears better. You know, invite them into a conversation and really, really see them for what they really are with no judgment. That's how you really get to listen. You know, the underlying fears behind the the fear that you constantly hear and see. There is great knowledge and the awareness of how emotions play a role in our lives. Are you feeling stuck in the same kind of pain over and over again? And you find it hard to feel happy and to feel joy in the everyday moments of your life. If you have tried all the self-help tips out there, but still not seeing much progress, then perhaps it might be time for you to work with a life coach where we will help you find those inner roadblocks, work through it and get through it a stronger, wiser and more resilient you. If you are keen to change your life around, don't hesitate to drop us your interest at info at thegoodlifepodcast.live. That's L-I-V-E. Looking forward to hearing from you. When we are in clear observation of the energy of fear, we are then more apt to overcome it, right? So going on to point number three. The third thing that you need to know about anxiety is this. Anxiety can mask other emotions, right? You know, just like how anger, it is often the protective emotion signaling something deeper like depression. Anxiety works the same way too. Experiencing anxiety is a sign of something deeper that is troubling you, which is contributing to the inner conflict and uncontrollable fear that you feel within. And it is often easy for us to make a mistake thinking that, you know, a situation or occurrence has made us anxious, when in fact, the true emotion is something completely different. Right? So when you allow yourself to understand the feelings underneath your anxiety, you allow yourself to open yourself up to the possibility that, hey, you know, you might be hurt. You know, you're feeling hurt right now. You know, you might possibly be feeling disappointment or you're grieving, right? So, you know, for you to be able to see and feel the emotions that you are supposed to feel rather than, you know, just covering up, you know, rather than just categorizing and dismissing every discomfort that you feel as anxiety, right? And considering that there are other feelings underneath your anxiety, you are taking great leaps forward in understanding yourself you know, building up your emotional resilience and putting yourself in a better position to improve your life better. Going on to the fourth thing you need to know about anxiety and it's this. Anxiety makes everything important, everything a priority and everything seems so overwhelming to do as a result of that. So, you know, have you been in situations where deciding what you want to make for dinner It feels as anxious and, you know, important as preparing for the job interview. 
You know, it seems that every little thing around you, you know, seems so overwhelming to do. You know, in the mind, it has this mantra of so little time, so much to do. And anxiety will do just that, right? It will make you feel like you are running out of time and that all that needs to be done needs to be done now, now, now. And this is where the power of slowing down comes in handy, right? While anxiety wants you to go, 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 when you employ the power of slowing down, you essentially send a message to your brain, right? Which is harboring all the anxiety and telling it, hey, anxiety, this is my life. And therefore, I get to decide what gets given priority right now right? So the constant reminder to your nervous system that you are in control, that, you know, the outer world does not get to dictate your life helps you to calm down, right? Because you just allowed yourself to utilize the shift in perspective, shifting it from the external locus of control, which is something that is beyond your control, to the internal locus of control, which are the, you know, things that you can control. And one of them being you managing your reactions to your emotions, right? A lot of times we think that we have to manage our emotions. You know, I think there is often this misconception, right? We feel that we need to manage our emotions. And, you know, and therefore because of that, you know, we resist the emotions that we don't want to feel. So it results in suppression and repression. But the thing that I would like to bring into awareness is that the focus shouldn't be managing of our emotions, but the focus, the amount of energy that we put through, it should be managing our reactions to the emotions that surface. You know, for example, if you were to watch a sad movie, it's hard not to feel sad, right? So the feeling that you feel it's sadness. So it's hard to resist that. It's hard to manage that, right? However, if we have the awareness that, hey, you know, it's not about managing, you know, the kind of feelings that come up, but it is about the reactions to those emotions that come up. So, you know, using the example of the movie, you know, you're watching a sad movie, you know, and as a result of that, you feel sad, right? And, you know, when you experience and observe the sadness arising, you then have a choice on what you want to do with that, right? You can either allow yourself to just cry to express your sadness, or you may choose to just want to like, you know, hold it back in. And, you know, it is completely up to you, right, on what you want to do with those emotions that you feel and you observe. So, you know, going back to anxiety, so the problem lies, um, you know, not in the kind of emotions that we constantly feel, but the issue, you know, the roadblock, it's actually in our patterns, you know, in, you know, our reactions, our responses that we have formed and developed over the years in response to, you know, the emotions that we feel, Right? And you know, remember, you know, I talked about um, having that rational part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, right, as an important part in managing your fear and stress response, right? The importance of not allowing the PFC to go into offline mode. So when you are experiencing anxiety, 
Remember, let that be your goal. Do not let it go permanently offline, right? Remind yourself that, you know, you are only able to make rational, well-informed decisions for yourself if your body feels calm, if that part of your brain is working fine, right? So, you know, even if you do have a long to-do list, I would like you to not, you know, jump in to focus on that list, right? The main priority should be focusing on getting your body, you know, um, to feel safe, to feel relaxed again, right? And once it is able to feel that state of relaxation, that calmness, then you can allow yourself to look at that to-do list, right? And then to prioritize, to rank them in order, right? And there are a number of ways, you know, um, in terms of bringing your body back to that safe and relaxed state. And, you know, I know a lot of you, you might be in situations where you are still in lockdown and it's hard for you to, you know, you can't even go out of your home, right? In such cases, could practice deep belly breathing to, you know, regulate the flow of oxygen back to your brain. You know, some other mindfulness and relaxing um, sort of activities that you could do would be to read a book or to watch, you know, um, YouTube videos, right, that makes you feel happy, you know, that makes you laugh. You know, laughing is a good free medicine, right? And, you know, you could even, you know, talk to a professional, you know, a therapist, a coach, right? Talk to someone whom you are able to feel connected and validated, right? Human connection, you know, because of the pandemic that we are going through right now, you know, a lot of people, they are experiencing a starvation of human connection, right? And we all know how important human connection is, to us, right? We as human beings have been created to connect. And the moment we are, you know, denied of that connection, that's when we start feeling, you know, in our inner world going haywire, right? Which is why it is important for that need for connectedness to be met. And there are more than one ways of allowing that need to be met. You know, one of it, it is through connecting with people. You know, for some, it's reading their favorite books where they're able to, you know, connect with the content in the book, to create their own fantasy world where they're able to just be, you know, where, where they're able to just feel so safe, right? So explore what makes you feel calm. Explore what makes you feel relaxed and don't stop on that search, right? So, you know, when you allow yourself to go through that process of finding what works for you, and, you know, this is something that goes through a lot of experimentation, you know, there are times where you're going to do something or you think you're going to, you know, succeed in doing something and then it ends up just not working out for you and it is okay, Right? Remind yourself that it's okay because it's all part of the experimentation process. Going on to point number five, and this is the last thing that I would like to share with you on anxiety. And 
and that you know anxiety is a sign of unmet needs so you know things we experience as children and adolescents it help to shape the people we become in our adult life so those experiences may be physical you know like a sudden change in the home environment you know being a victim or sexual abuse by a family member or you know feeling a sense of neglect from caregivers who were never home you know psychological distress it also impacts who you become right traumatic events like the death of a close family member you know mental illness and the family or the pain of your parents divorce they can significantly impact your mental health going forward so these past experiences and feelings can leave you with emotional needs that even after decades have never been addressed and met and the more the needs go unmet over the years the more the anxiety it builds up, right? Because anxiety builds up in places where you have like all those unfinished business, right? That's never that closure and your mind keeps on going and going and going, right? So, you know, as human beings, you know, there are five core needs that we need for healthy functioning. And each of, you know, these needs, it it differs in important levels to us. So the first need is love and belonging, which is a need to be connected, um, you know, be it through family, friendships, or the community. The second need is power, which is the need to be seen, validated, to be recognized, and to feel the sense of achievement and self-identity. Number three, the fun need, which is a need to feel carefree, to live life stress-free, and to feel pleasurable and to enjoy doing what you do. Number four, survival need, which is the need for food, water, shelter, and sexual fulfillment. And number five, the freedom need, which is the need for independence, for personal space and autonomy. So all human beings, right? You know, all human beings, we behave in a certain way. And that behavior is the result of the choices that we make right? All of our actions that we see today, they are guided based on what motivates us. And the motivating factor in doing what we do is based on what type of need that is most important to us. For instance, if your need for fun is high, you would tend to engage in stress-free environments, right? Tasks that bring about great stress will contribute to your anxiety, Tasks that bring about stress will make you feel easily bored and it will manifest itself in behavioral patterns such as procrastination. You know, but those tasks that speak fun to you, it will drive your motivational energy levels. So identifying your need is important. Identifying the degree of importance of each core need is also important. And to understand your core needs, start asking yourself what you want and what you desire right now. The strategy is to explore your underlying need behind all your wants, right? You know, we as human beings, we have a gazillion and one wants, right? But the needs are just a handful, right? Every want is driven by a need you have within that needs to be fulfilled. And know that every need has more than one way in getting it met and fulfilled. A case in point would be traveling, Right? Although traveling is often associated to fill the needs of fun and freedom, 
For others, it is to fulfill the need of survival, you know, especially if they need to get away from the current place that is abusive and unsafe. And just by understanding the underlying unique need behind your want, it helps you to understand you better. It helps you to also understand why people do what they do, right? And this allows for more compassion to enter, not only to yourself, but to other people too. So that concludes the five things that you need to know about anxiety, right? In short, Everyone has feelings of anxiety at some point in their life. Some anxiety is helpful. You know, it helps us to react to stresses or potential threats by quickening our reflexes and focusing our attention. And it usually settles once the stressful situation has passed. You know, normally the brain manages our fear and anxiety without allowing them to interfere with our daily functioning. You know, if there is a nearby threat, different areas of the brain help us make sense of the sense of threat by amplifying or, you know, cueing our anxiety and fear. However, for some, anxiety can be extremely, extremely overwhelming and, you know, it interferes with their daily lives, right? And so if you do experience symptoms of anxiety, you know, especially if it, it is one, right, that is causing you extreme, extreme distress, please, please, please don't hesitate to get it properly assessed by a professional. You know, once you understand your anxiety, there are steps that you can take to reduce the symptoms and regain control of your own life. So that finally concludes today's episode. I truly do hope that this has helped you in your journey of introspection. If you found this episode beneficial, feel free to also share it around with your loved ones. You know, if there are also any particular topics that you would like us to talk more about or, you know, to dive deeper on, let us know. We are happy to hear it, right? You could either drop us a DM on our social media, Insta, the good life underscore podcast, or you could also drop us an email as well at info at the good life podcast dot L-I-V-E, that's live right? We can't wait for you to hear the next beautiful and soulful episode. You know, in the meantime, I hope that you do take care of yourself. Be bold, be beautiful, and see the amazing you that you are. Much love to you, dear one. Bye!